Welcome to This Week in MTG with your hosts, Matt Olson, JB, and Danny Oakstead. Hello and welcome, Magic Folk, to episode number 58, 58 of This wow. Week in MTG. Your aggregate news source for all things Magic the Gathering. We are your guys' hosts. I am Matt Olson. Over there, we have Danny Oakstead. What's up? Across the interwebs, we have the Janky Boggle, JB. Hey there. And it's an episode. We have news, breaking news, big news, just magic news in general. Yep. We have an. We have an elemental that is no longer with us. R.I.P. We have uh, a charm that is no longer there. A secret lair card, five owed a league. I'm just jumping straight into the breakdown with this one. We're just going haywire tonight. <laughs> what about our housekeeping? We're getting there. We're doing it backwards right now. Oh, why you got to do this to us? Keep you on your toes. It would help if you read the notes too, JB. Uh, yeah, but where's the fun in that? <laughs> I like to keep you on your toes. We have a couple new uh, deals and stuff to tell you about. Uh, a new product and a deal. And then, yeah, it's going to be BNR talk and Grand Finals talk. Then we move to the finance section. And then closing off with Deck of the Week, we are highlighting a standard deck that might actually have some game with the, with the BNRs now. And then we'll close it so y- y'all can go home and do your thing. Pretty sure they're already at home and doing their own thing. They could be driving to work if they're listening to this. Maybe they're driving home doing their own thing. <sighs> or 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 possibly where does a white noise to them? Can't argue against that. Okay, so a couple things before we start things off. We got to tell you about our excellent sponsor at J Dub Sports Cards and Gaming, located in Fargo, North Dakota, at the West Acres Mall. They have so many magic products. They have singles, they have booster boxes, they got your commander decks from Acoria, they got your Zenikar Rising needs as well. They have the two new Zenikar Rising Commander boosters. Not only do they have magic singles, they got magic product like sleeves, playmats, all that jazz. They help you with getting cards graded through Beckett and PSA. Links in the description down below how to do that. We have Danny, who's going through some car- getting some cards graded right now. Just one. Just one indeed. But uh, yeah, go check them out online. They truly amazing to sponsor us also they're going to be at ValleyCon, which is coming up this weekend in fargo north dakota next i'd love to tell you guys about in dice we trust an edh not an edh <laughs> gosh a D&D. wow so many different uh not anagrams what's the letters that mean other words you know uh words are hard <laughs> <laughs> that they are. Uh, 
Anagrams? No, it's not anagrams because that's words that spell different things. It's not analogy. I'm pretty sure it starts with an A. Oh, my God. People are screaming at their radios right now for this. Who listens on radios anymore? People with this in their headphones are screaming. Uh, well, you know what I mean. Like, the letters mean a word. <laughs> Entice Me Trust is a D&D podcast of just four friends trying their best to succeed with their fates decided by a 20-sided piece of plastic. Join players April Mitchell, Finn Hopman, and Bryce Osman as their DN Makari Robinson is storytelling in a storytelling experience of a lifetime. That was choppy towards the end. You mean an abbreviation? Is the abbreviation part needed? No, I'm just saying that's abbreviation. That's what, that's what you're looking oh, for. abbreviation. God damn it. Uh, thank you. I tell you, you're so what? What? Thank you for that live Google search. Right now, their newest episode, episode four, will be coming out on Wednesday, where they continue on with their story of uh, the meeting of the summer, not the meeting, the the story of the, the courts. They're going through the summer and spring courts right now. It's very good. It's very enthralling. Any D&D podcast, if you, if you like listen to a D&D podcast of just people going out and about and doing D&D things like it's worth to listen to, I would say. Go check them out if you're interested. And with that, let's pass it over to the Boggle Desk. Okay. Well, first up, we have some interesting news involving our new, uh, our latest secret lair. So apparently, a Pro Tour champion 5 0 a Legacy League with one of the Walking Dead cards. So this is pretty interesting. I know that's, uh, that was one of the, grievances that people had was availability and playability of them. So it's kind of interesting that he ended up 5 0 with a league with a bunch of Walking Dead humans. You want to read the human first off? Which one? You want me to read all of them? Well, the the list really just like... They had all three, all four of these in there? Apparently, yeah. Where the hell's Glenn? No. Where's the list? Yeah, because two other characters from The Walking Dead appear in the graveyard as well. All right, yeah. The guy had them all. God damn. It's unclear whether Glenn or Lucille made it in. Or how many copies of each card were in the deck. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, no, it's pretty, uh, pretty crazy board state. Yeah, so the the main card that really got everybody going here was Rick, Steadfast Leader. It's white, white, two, three, four, human, soldier, legendary. It ETBs choose two abilities from among First Strike, Vigilance, and Lifelink. Humans you control have each of the chosen abilities. And as long as you control four or more humans, humans you control get plus two, plus two. And uh, I don't know if you all know this, but Noble Hierarch is a human. (laughs) Yup. And there's four of them out there. And Aether Vials and Cavern of Souls. <laughs> Just a single Rick. Like, oh my god. A single Rick with four noble hierarchs is stupid. Right. Michonne, yeah, there's a Michonne on the battlefield as well. Phyrexian Revoker. Well, we don't care about that. That's not part of the Walking Dead cards here, Rod. <laughs> well, neither is Noble Hierarch. 
but that's a human at least. There's at least a bit of reason for that to be in there. Friction yeah. Revoker. I feel like Friction Revoker is just like cyborg tech right here. So the deck was brought by Greg Orange at at Orange underscore Greg, if you wish to follow. Yeah, it looks pretty spicy. <sighs> I don't know. I think this is just like a meme thing. Like this guy just got lucky and lulzed all the way to the fucking bank with this deck. I don't think people should be worried about these secret layer cards being as dominant. A 5-0, 1-5-0 last week, and we haven't seen anything yet this previous weekend from a Legacy League with any of these secret layer cards. I'm not holding my breath. I don't know. You never know, man. I will eat a basic island <laughs> if they start to become super popular. Oh, and good they, lord! And they start like more frequently uh, showing up in five O's on leagues and challenges. Okay, you heard it here, folks. We're gonna hold them to it. <laughs> okay, so that's enough about that. On to our twenty twenty season grand finals. So it was one. So yeah, it was won by none other than Austin Bursovich. And can we take a guess at what he was playing? Did you read the notes? Do you know what he was playing? Oh, I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> Tell us, what was he playing? Omnath Adventures. Oh, man. Surprise, surprise. As you can tell by our sarcasm. And it looks like in the finals, it was an Omnath Adventure mirror match. Yeah. Did you watch any of the games, either of you? No. Nope. Yeah, neither did I. We were too busy doing other things. <laughs> right. Like scaring the crap out of me. Yep, yeah. Indeed we did. And leading me on. And it worked very well. Yes, it did. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, it did. Let's see, where's the top eight? Do we have a top eight deck list for these? We do anyway. indeed. Where's it at? Is it farther down? Or do I got to read through the freaking grayed out bracket? that I can't figure out how to zoom in on my computer. No, what you do is you click the 2020 season grand finals hyperlink in the first oh. paragraph. Ah, look at me, technology. All you listening, this happens every week, easily. <laughs> where JB just has to learn how to click a fucking link. And now I got no. I got to cut this 30 seconds out while I'm listening <laughs> to edit this. And you wonder why I need to keep my sanity. All right, I just like to make you do work, oh my son. JB, okay. How about so, that top eight? Yes, rounding out our top eight, we had another Omnath Adventures, Gruel Adventures, another Gruel Adventures, more Omnath Adventures, a Demir Rogues. Interestingly enough, Omnath Adventures. So, over, so yeah, pretty pretty diverse, huh? Overall, this whole weekend, 
out of the 32 players, 26 of them? It was 75%. 75% had Omnath, uh, Locus of Creation in the deck. Whether it be just the Adventures variation of the deck or the normal variation of Omnath decks. That's just wrong. Wrong on so many levels. 75%. And this is a deck that's 75%. 75? 75%. 75%. 75%. It was heaven with all that Omnath. I mean, (laughs) hellishly five. That doesn't sound as good. But you you get the fact. Omnath was dominant. I know that... um, uh, pro player Autumn Burchett was one that came into the second days with her Gruel adventure deck and was like really stomping on decks until top eight final day and got demolished by Gabe Nassif, who was running Omnath Adventures. Well, didn't get demolished. She went two one or one and two. True, true. She almost she almost had it. And if she yeah. would have won. Next player, the person who beat her went two or one and two, so could very well she could have made it. I, yeah, I do remember seeing on Twitter like everyone was totally rooting for Autumn this weekend, sheerly because she was not running Omnath. Yeah, and people were doing the same for uh, Seth Manfield with his Demir Rogues, which we were talking last week. Demir Rogues people were hoping that it would have more game now that Uro was no longer going to be in the Omnath decks yeah. because it's like you mail an Uro, Demir just kind of gets dink stomped by that shit. Yeah. Right. <sighs> but uh, congratulations to everybody. I feel before we go on Austin Bersovich, I just got a comment here. The funniness about this, that the, the I, can, can we say can we say it's irony? The irony about this, I don't know if you all remember, back in like late April, May, Austin Bersovich got banned from Moto and Arena because on Twitter he posted that he got uh, advance notice from some pro players about some changes to the league, uh, the pro league structure at that time. We covered it. Wizards talk to him. They're like, hey, disclose your resources. Or uh, who, who told you this? And Austin was like, no. And Watsy banned him for that. And then it was like June, end of June, July. I'm pretty sure it was like 30-ish days until he got unbanned about it. And they couldn't find anything else to do. It's like, what do you want me to do? It's not like, it's not like Austin's the one that signed the NDAs and stuff that came with that. But a lot of people online were like, Watsy, how does it taste that you got to congratulate the guy that you banned? Or tried to ban. Yeah, tried to ban for, for, I don't know, six weeks, eight weeks, somewhere in there. It it was a good amount of time. And then he crushes the grand finals. Right. So, Austin, the listener, uh, us over at This Week in MTG, we definitely salute (laughs) you. All right, so moving on to our upcoming events, we have Eternal Weekend starting. Whoop, whoop. Going to be going on this weekend and next. Uh, Legacy's up first with this weekend. 
And it's all on Magic Online. Can, you got to read the thing where it's like, those that don't know Eternal Weekend, because honestly, I didn't know what Eternal Weekend is either. Me neither. You didn't know what Eternal Weekend Did you know what Eternal Weekend was, JB? Y'all are fucking with me. No, I seriously didn't know what it was. Y'all are fucking with I me. I don't play MTGO, so I don't know what's going on. Yeah, but MTGO. normally it's in person. I've never gone to Eternal Weekend. It's a big thing. Fine, I'll read it, since I know y'all are fucking with me anyway. I'm not. <laughs> Eternal, God. Eternal Weekend it's, is it's a, a family-friendly channel podcast. Yeah, Sarah, bitch, shit, ass, God, ah. Dink. Suck y'all it up, buttercup. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are killing me. So Eternal Weekend is a celebration of Magic's beginnings, featuring both vintage and legacy formats where the most iconic cards in the game's history are still played. Nostalgia, skill, and the thrill of the most powerful plays in Magic await everyone who plays an Eternal Weekend. So yeah, let's just get together and play Legacy and Vintage. Pretty self-explanatory. Or Commander, because that's Eternal. Nah, this this is only for... Uh, I, I know, but uh, if you're playing tabletop... Okay. Fair. So yeah, but it's not included in this, Danny. I'm just saying, if you're playing at home, and you're like me who don't play on Moto, to participate, right. you'll need a full MTGO account. If you don't have one yet, you can create one by going to the link descriptions below. Upgrade from a basic account to a full account by purchasing the account upgrade kit. After you have your full account, buy the entry token for your event you want to participate in. Each entry token costs 25 USD and will be available starting 10 a.m. Pacific time on Monday prior to the weekend's event, so October 12th up to October 19th. They are on sale right now. After you purchase, after your purchase is processed, you'll have to access... You'll have to... Oh, geez, words. You'll have access to almost every card in Magic Online until the Wednesday following the event you purchased entry to. Uh, so yeah, start brewing decks, go to your collection, make a deck list, submit it, test it out. During each match, you'll have a 25-minute timer and watch once time... 25 minutes? Holy crap! Mm-hmm. Oh my god! I tell you, you've never played on Moto either. I have never played on Moto either. Yeah, no, and then it it only ticks down when you have priority. All right. So during your match, so it's, I mean, you get fifty minutes. It's just split. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, so you have a twenty-five minute timer. Once that timer runs out, you lose the match, regardless of how many games you have played. So make sure you're watching your clock. In addition to your match timer, each player has an, an active timer. For this event, if you don't take a game action for 15 minutes, not only will you lose your match, you'll also be ejected from the event. So make sure you set aside time to complete your matches. So, yeah. Starts Friday, goes Saturday, Sunday. Have a lot of good prizes, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you join on Friday, you get a Krakus. You join on Saturday, you get a Rishidin port. You join on Sunday, you get a Maze of Ith. Just for getting nice. it. And you get like special arts from it. Uh, the Maze of Ith is the Double Masters one. The Rishidin port is the Masters 25. And Krakus is Eternal Masters. Then you get a bunch of points. 
bunch of treasure chests too. Yeah, that that's for legacy. Uh, vintage, you get uh, Talarian Academy, which is the uh, oh geez, what's that? It's it's the online remaster version. I don't know those simple vintage. That's vintage masters. Yep, vintage masters, masters, which is only on online. You get Talarian Academy for Saturday. Uh, and then later that Saturday, you get Library of Alexandria from Vintage Masters as well. And then finally, on Sunday, you get Mistra's Workshop. So, JB, you play Legacy. Did we, did we mention, though, that first place in either one gets the artwork? No, no, we did not. Yeah, so apparently, first place, oh, on top of those prizes, you get the artwork. Not only the artwork, but you get one premium foil set of the most recent standard legal set as well. Yep, and that goes down all the way to eighth place for the... Well, okay, no. The premium foils are first and second, and then, then third through eighth get non-foil. Which is still a really sick deal. Exactly. First through eighth, you're getting a, a full set from standard legal. I mean, that's not bad at all. JB, are you doing this? No, I'm not proficient enough in Legacy. Not for paying 25 bucks for an event. Fair, yeah. You got a long ways to go. And both events can hold up to 672 players. Right. I'll get dink stomped. I might as well just send them my check. Be like, all right, here you go. I'll just <laughs> take my money. Okay. I feel that covers a good amount of the boggle desk there. I forgot to set a timer. We definitely deviated off. Danny, your job... Yeah. My job is just to come here and sit. <laughs> right? to keep us on track, sir. No. Well, anyway. Uh, what? Big announcement today. Oh. We got we got oh, some BNR. So anyways, today we got a BNR announcement from Ian Duke at Watsi. After this week's competitions... We have uh, noticed the metagame is extremely lenient towards one creature. And with that, Omnath, Locus of Creation, is banned in Standard. He's been banned in Historic. And he's banned in Brawl. Don't know anyone who played Brawl, but okay. People Moving. still love Brawl. Eh. It's the Standard Commander. I suppose. Uh, moving along with standard bands, Lucky Clover was, I guess, caught with Omnath. He is now banned in standard. Uh, we have Escape to the Wilds is also banned in standard. Like I said, Omnath is banned in historic. The card I love to see banned in historic is Tefiri Time Raveler. He is now gone, finally. Along with that, we have Wilderness Reclamation has been banned in Historic. And Burning Tree Emissary is now unsuspended in Historic. So, Matt, what's your feelings about this? Well, I didn't play Standard a lot, but from everybody online and, I don't know, like everywhere else, Omnath Locus of Creation was what everybody was calling for 
last <clears throat> last two weeks. And two weeks ago is when we had the Euro band. Yep. And so they were like, Omnath needs to get it right now. And they were a little upset that it wasn't uh, Euro. Yep. But they're now more thankful that Omnath is finally gone because the oppressiveness that is Omnath. I mean, you've seen the videos of what Omnath can do with Lotus Cobra ranging from going into the Genesis Ultimatum to just like dump your board and then like yep. it's not a lot of them are doing scoot swarms anymore but scoot swarms was an option back in the day back back, geez, back in the day like three it's, weeks ago the meta changes so fast but yeah scoot no. swarm is still a thing don't don't kid yourself oh yeah no I'm not kidding myself but like top top plays and stuff like that uh, Omnath ban people love it I'm fine with that like it was it's definitely a powerful card and I understand their clamoring there, there just wasn't wasn't any removal quick enough for him. Nope. Uh, I feel like we talked about this the other week, but the way that Omnath's presence in the standard formats, uh, it's very uh, not ambiguous. The, the similarities are very similar from between Omnath and Hogak, where the meta was either you played Hogak or you played a deck that was anti-Hogak. Yep. It doesn't matter. It was just yep. those two decks. And that's what Omnath standard was, is where it's like you play Omnath or you play anti-Omnath with like really a s- low aggro deck or you play the Teamer Omnath deck, the, te- the, the, uh, the Teamer Adventure Omnath deck yep. where you had Lucky Clover and all that stuff. And they could like duke it out because they were on the same battlefield. Yep. And any format like that, for sure, is not something that is healthy. Uh, They go in their article here talking about uh, two most popular decks in the standard metagame being the four-color ramp deck and the four-color adventure, both having Omnath as the key component. While we did see a marked decline in win rate of four-color ramp after the banning of Uro, particularly against red and green aggressive decks and blue and black rogue, Omnath ramp decks continue to have a warping effect on the meta. Moreover, four-color adventures have become the deck with the highest overall win rate and have a favorable matchup against nine out of the ten other top decks that don't play Omnath. And honestly, it's like, how do they even get to ten other decks in the standard meta? Like, you have mono-red, you have Gruul, you have Demir Rogues, then you have your two Omnath decks. What are the other fucking five? Clerics? Fucking maybe random obscure things. Yeah, that's that that has to be it. Um I don't know if you read the article, but th- this next paragraph kinda jilted me a little bit. It's like this metagame dominance manifested itself in players' deck choices for the grand finals. Uh, and with that, just one sentence alone, it doesn't sit well with me. It's, I mean, it seems like it's just like this slide underhand, like jab. It's like the players have chose to do this. It's, you get the data and they're going to do this stuff. Uh, and that's me just adding in the data part there, because if we recall from an episode that we did back, oh, I'm pretty sure it was around the same time as Austin Bersovich, like beginning of COVID time where Watsi decided to stop giving us information directly yep. of uh, of uh, deck information and stuff. Uh, they made Frank Karsten not do up or stop doing write-ups and stuff. Yep. 
and stuff like that. So the fact that it's like a little bit of a, it seems like it's a call out to that moment. It's like, y'all wanted data. This is what happens when you get data. It's like, you're calling out the wrong thing, I feel here, because none of this would happen if you didn't make a stupid card. It's... I don't know if it's really a stupid card, per se. Let me put a pin, or not a pin, a little asterisk. Stupid good. <laughs> you know, look at the footer there. It's stupid. Yeah. In this case, it's stupid. It means stupid good. But continue. <laughs> yeah, it's... If it were a 3-3 rather than a 4-4, I think it would be a completely different game. It's all the abilities, though. No, I, I get I get that. But it's the fact that turn four, it's hard for standard to remove him because what, what's the most damage a burn player could do turn three, basically? Uh, that's that's math that I don't know off the top of my head. I know what it's, modern can do. I don't yeah, know it's, that's that's do. why it's not going to be that's why it's not going to be banned in modern because it can be taken care of. Standard is a limited supply of cards or a small quantity of cards that can be used. Obviously, that's why I stopped playing it. It's so freaking expensive. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just your choices of removal, unless you're countering it all the time. It's not even counter. The thing that makes the Om- Omnath so good is like Lotus Cobra for sure. Well, yeah. You know, you get Lotus Cobra turn two, you can get a turn three Omnath and start doing ridiculous shenanigans. But right. that, that Lotus Cobra can be shocked. Uh, yeah, shocked, stomped, eliminated, spike field hazard. There's many options. There's, there's... But the fact if you don't get one of those, if you're not playing the 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 uh, the adventure, the four color adventure deck. If you're not playing the Demir rogues that might have eliminate, I don't think they even run eliminate in those decks. But it's just not it's just too slow compared comparatively. I don't know. I, I'm just I'm just thinking the way I play. I'm extreme fair, extreme burn haste. Try to kill you as fast as I can, so I can like my modern deck. I play burn control if I need to. That's where I'm just. It just comes to that, I think, to right. me. Like that, the a four four is so much harder to deal with than a three three. Oh, hundred percent. No so one's ever that's, gonna argue that's why something like that. It's it's an okay card if it weren't for the fact that the sets around it have no answers for them. I think what would make it would have not make it as egregious was the fact if they changed the damage and the mana. On the land, like if they swap those, maybe, but still, like you still get access to all three of those landfall triggers. Mm-hmm. Having so many landfall triggers, it's like I get that you really wanted to push this card. Maybe two, three seems very excessive. Flavorfully, I get it. I hundred percent get it. They wanted to make this card it's like super as flavorful as ever, and they, they, I can't. I can't argue against they, the flavor of Omnath. Omnath flavor for or Omnath Locus of Creation is flavorful. They created a commander card in a standard set, is what they did. If they created this in Modern Horizons two, let's look at it in that lens. Like if they put Omnath Locus of Creation yep. in Modern Horizons two, yep, it's doing things in Modern, but it's not. It, it's the not warping power the meta game. Yeah, because yep. Modern has way more answers yep. and stuff to deal with that on a cheaper lower curve oh, yeah. than what standard has access to so 
would we be having this conversation if something like Omnath Locus of Creation got printed in a Modern Horizons or in another supplemental product? No, probably not. It's it's because they, like I said, they created a commander card in a standard set. That's part of the the fire process. It seems like that Wasi's doing. You know where it's like they're. I. I it's easier to get that card out into the market in a standard set. I get it, but when you're building sets three, four years in advance, you should look at those like, hey, the, we have no answer for this one card. This card is going to be broken. Let's do something about it before we actually print it. That's that's going at a different angle of Watsi needing to increase their amount of play testers and stuff like that. And that's more, especially in the COVID times that we got going on, I feel like oh, yeah. that's probably going to be harder to get play tested. But I mean, you got arena, you got but, magic online, but, you can do these, you could do these like, you know, I, I don't know the appropriate term. So I'm just using this filler spot of like, you know, beta testing for these sets coming out. Like they got the play testers. It's not to the extent think of, I mean, I, I can't help but think of something that I saw online where it's like, you know, the wisdom of the crowd is better than the wisdom of the individual yep. or something along the lines of yep. that. You got millions of people playing as yep. compared to like what, maybe a hundred people in R and D play test group. Yeah. Cumulatively like a million people are going to be able to figure out things a lot faster than those hundred because they're oh, yeah, on a scale sure. that they can never compete with. And when you look at it at that lens, maybe you understand a little more why Watsi was trying to hold back on certain data. But I still, th- I still think holding back on data is never good. Uh, I do think still Watsi should just do a better job at like looking at these cards and seeing them for what power they have. But then it wouldn't sell packs. Oh, oh! Don't get me started on selling packs with Omnath right now. Banned a poster child, a poster of a, a thing on the uh, uh, the art on the booster on the booster box, the booster pack the set, booster the collector booster, all these boosters. It's on there. This is the fastest standard card to get banned because it's what two weeks. Yeah, because it was the seventeenth when it first got out in early yep. access. It's almost been a month since it's been out. Uh. And uh, the poster child of the set, like something that wizard, everybody was thinking that wizards didn't want to do because with Oko, like we're using Oko, looking at what they did with Oko, they took until the next set before they uh, banned it. What about Earl? They took another, wait until the next set came out before they banned him. No, they took two sets because they didn't ban Earl until uh, Zendikar came out. It went through Ikoria and Core 21, so three. So why did it take so long with Earl then? Earl was a meta meta game shifter too. Not to the point of seventy five percent. Oh no, I get it, Single but he, was, no. he still was. It was warping, but it it's so bizarre to be thinking like the levels of like Omnath and Uro now because Uro was bad before Omnath was around. People were like, "Okay, Uro's a thing. We know what to do to handle it." But I feel like. Omnath definitely crushed the threshold, like the Hogak threshold, like I was mentioning earlier, where it's True. like as soon as a format warps to where it's just like the main deck and the deck to counter the deck, 
you kind of lost the format there. Yeah. Well, it's, much. it's more of that you play, like you're saying, either you play Omnath against Omnath, or you hope, like, heck, you can deal with Omnath. Right. Oh, man. Timer says, I don't have a timer, but I feel like we talked about this a lot. No, this, we, we, this, talked about, we talked about just Omnath a lot. I know. Let's, let's, but we've, let's cover Lucky Clover maybe quickly, Escape to the Wilds in Standard. I suppose. Uh, this is going to be way faster. Lucky Clover mm-hmm. was banned to try and edge from Adventure Decks uh, filling in that vacuum that Omnath Decks leaving would have caused. So they nubbed uh, Lucky Clover there because of that to try and keep everything on a level playing field. And then with Escape to the Wilds, they wanted to ensure that ramp decks don't continue to dominate the standard metagame. We're also choosing to ban Escape to the Wilds. This play, this card plays a unique and powerful role as a bridge between strong ramp enablers like Lotus Cobra and powerful payoffs like Genesis Ultimatum and Ugin the Spirit Dragon. Of the non-land cards in the Grand Finals, Escape to the Wilds was played in the second greatest number of copies. As the card common to many ramp variants, this is the most straightforward way to weaken that strategy as a whole and ensure a shift away from the recent standard metagames. Yep. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I was not expecting Escape to the Wild, and it didn't seem like a lot of other people were as well. Uh, a lot of people did definitely call out Lucky Clover because, you know, it being the second, the the mirror of Omnath, like, you take out Omnath, that's fine. You still got all your adventure cards. Yep. So it makes sense to take out Lucky Clover. But it's so bizarre because it's a, a single card that only works with one mechanic. Yep. And it's and uncommon. It's still super good. So. And Escape to the Wilds just to close off Ramp because Ramp has been a problematic thing. Has it? Has it really? It sounds like you're being sarcastic there, JB. Am I? <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. The suspension or the, the straight up ban in Historic now of Teferi, Time Raveler, and Wilder's recl- Reclamation, we all knew that they weren't coming back. Uh, right. And the unbanning of Burning Tree Emissary, pretty uh, unexpected with that. Reading reading that there, uh, Burning Tree Emissary is a different case since that suspension, the power level of Historic has increased er, considerably with the release of Jumpstart and Omicat Remastered, and we have seen the meta share of Gruel Agril fall off notably. After considering the overall power level of the format and the matchups for Gruel Agro, we think there is room for Burning Tree Emissary to be a healthy and interesting addition to the format again. So they unsuspended it. Good. I think they only done it to a handful of cards. Uh, maybe not a handful. Burning Tree yeah, Emissary is one. I think it's only been a couple. Because I thought there was one other one that got unsuspended, wasn't there? Right. I was thinking that it was uh, Oath of Nyssa, but I'm like, Oath of Nyssa is specifically in Pioneer. Pioneer got unbanned. Yep. Um, I'm just drawing a blank. Right. So am I. Well, I feel like that's a good spot then to uh, continue on with what we got here. Yeah, the BNR has happened. Meta is changing. A lot of people are actually, uh, to put a little pin in this, people are excited to try and play standard and try things again. You got. Are to be- they though? Are they really? 
people have been talking about Demir Rogues or any just blue-black control. People are just saying control decks are vi- viable again. Like blue-black, Grixis, you can get maybe some Azorius control. That's why I quit playing. Saffron Olive uh, not too long ago posted a no lands blue-white control deck, which had like uh, Dream Trawler as its curve topper and Saloon Divisions and the destroy the wrath land and and things like that can't take these guys anywheres um for this blog talk of the week we go to the midwest mtg judge midwest represent so he goes on states when i was younger i remember the failure of fallen empires being used as a running gig in the magic magazines like conjure is a scry and inquest, what exactly happened with the FE? Was it weak, or is it just perceived as weak, or just way overprinted? Mark replies, up until that point, Magic couldn't print enough to meet demand, so everyone was in habit of over-ordering to get the amount they actually needed. With Fallen, fallen Emperors, Wizard said, okay, we can print a demand, Order what you actually need because we're going to give you what you ordered. With that, most stores and distributors didn't believe them, so they just over-ordered as they normally did, and Wizards did what it promised and printed what was ordered. This created a giant gulf of fallen empires, which led to all of the jokes. I think I heard about that joke once or twice from the... OGs, but never really understood it until today. So what I'm getting from this is Fallen Empires was a printed demand set, and that's all they did. Mm -hmm. Stores ordered what they want, Wizards printed it, and when it actually wanted more, they didn't have any. I kind of picked it because it was kind of funny because it's the irony of uh, Secret Lair right now. Yeah, yeah, I do see. <laughs> I do see the understand the similarities and stuff. For there, it's like where secret layer is print to order, but they can't print enough or get them out fast enough. Whew, the fast enough part. Oofta. Oh, right. we should. Should we do uh, a quick update for everybody on secret layers? On your secret layers? <laughs> With my secret layers, they're at home. I got in sh- my closet. I got shafted a little bit on that because of JB's wife. So did she send them back? I'm pretty sure they're still at the post office. Yeah, she told the, she told the post office person to take it back. Well, that's not very nice of her. Right? But it is kind of funny. A little bit. It is. You got to admit, Matt, it is kind of funny. You wouldn't be saying this if it was you. Well, I mean, she'd probably send my packages back, too, even though I live here, so don't feel bad, especially if she knew it was the, magic. The, the thing was, is they're like... Do you, do, er, for you, it's like, does, well, you know, does a JB live here? And she would know to say yes. No, she probably wouldn't not. She'd probably be like, what? All right. So here's a quick update on the secret layers. I feel this is going to be important for anybody who ordered them. These are the ones that are completed. The Theros Stargazing, International Women's Day, Thalia Beyond the Hellevolt. I Got about that one. The Godzilla lands. All of those are shipping completed. The summer super drop series are going. They should be done. They actually should be done 
now, October 9th, according to the website, everything should have been shipped by then. They just haven't updated. Prime Slime uh, is in production, and people should be receiving that anywhere between October 15th through November 30th. Every Dog Has Its Day is gonna is in pre-production. Delivery date will be October 31st through December 15th. Yargle is in pre-production and in the same schedule of the October 31st through December 15th. Zenicar Revisited is November 30th to January 15th of a shipping date in pre-production. And The Walking Dead Secret Lair in pre-production should be getting into people's hands the paper product between January 4th and February 15th. More to come. Look at that segue. I know. That was a good, that was, that was a good little add into there. No, I didn't mean it. I'm just that good. Good stuff. Okay, so we have something pretty cool here. I've been seeing these pop across my Facebook feed, and I just wasn't sure if it was real or if it was a wish scam or what. <laughs> wish scam. Well, I thought the same thing. Fair. I, sure. I looked at it. It's like, oh, these watches are nice, but then I saw a price tag. I was like, yeah, sure, but no. apparently it's real. It's pretty cool. Yeah, what is the price tag? I suppose we'll get that. We'll get there. So we're seeing magic-themed watches and bags. And they're going to be in six colors. Six. What's the sixth color? Planeswalker orange? Yep. Yeah, it's ah, the black yeah. with the uh, orange the, the, trim. The mythic whatever. Yeah, yep. The mythic color. Okay. So, yeah. So, this is going to be in six colors. One for each color pie and then the mythic. You know, all the cool stuff. Watches and bags are specifically designed to fit the needs of Magic the Gathering players. The watches will have five mana stones etched along with the hour marks. Also have a turntable bezel to determine the starting time of a match and let a player see how many minutes have passed. Okay, that's cool. Egg's main compartment was originally partitioned to let a player store important decks, although the partitions can also be modified freely. Side pockets let one store smaller items like dice and pens, and the bag's are also made to protect the contents from the rain with the waterproof zippers and cordural nylon. So that's cool that they're waterproof. I like it. Okay, so do we know what conversion rate is? Yep. Danny, take it away. Well, I just... So the watches are uh, available for 23,800 yen, or if you're like everyone else in the world... Uh, $226 for a watch. Well, that's not, that's not bad. Okay. The way you were talking, I figured it was like four or 500. First off, I want, I want to give like an example here, a smartwatch that does way more than just these analog watches is roughly the same price. We bought, you bought yours for what? 280. Cause I bought mine for like yeah, 280, like yep. I got a Samsung, uh, a Samsung, uh, gear S three. Yep. No, I have a Samsung galaxy. Okay. Yeah. And that was like 230 or 280, 270 yep, bucks, somewhere like in there. That. And this is just an analog watch. No Bluetooth connection. For yeah. It's just, it's just a watch that has the magic logo. On yeah. It. But do you guys, do you guys understand? Have you, have you ever looked at watches like this before? Have you ever uh, looked at prices of watches like this before? Yes, yes. The whole watch market is so this, this whole other this thing is, with it. Like you can you can follow watch market par. with like 
shoe markets and stuff like that. I mean, right? Like this is an average price for a nice watch like this. Like I, that's why I was like, oh, well, that's not bad. Like I was expecting five, six hundred. You know, um, Marshall Sutcliffe of the Limited Resources podcast and Magic commentator fame. He is uh, a fan of watches. Uh, hor- I can't remember like its official official name. It's like Hork. It's Hork. Horologi- horological. Hor- I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, uh, horological, because that's horloge is a wrist timepiece. Horloge. So do that as you will, or <laughs> take that as you will for incorporating that as the uh, need for a hobby, whatever the hobby equivalent is to horologe. Okay. Marshall Sutcliffe, he is all about that. Maybe we should ask him and be like, are these watches worth it? Because they are, uh, what brand are they? They don't say. They don't yeah, say. Yeah, doesn't say. They're just specifically made. Just super groupies. Is they're the sellers. Yep. Right. They're all uh, available through build-to-order manufacturing. Pre-orders for the items are now open and available until October twenty-sixth at twelve JST. Okay, time zone podcast. It's Japan's it's Japan it's, Central it's Time, our out. standard time. Yeah, Japan is a whole day ahead of us. They're twelve. They're 12 hours. So if they're a whole day ahead of us and it ends on the 26th, it's the 25th for us, right? They're not a full day. They're sure. They're almost a full day. They're like 20 hours or whatever. Here we go again. Time Zones, the podcast, guys. Anyway. Thank you for being uh, part of the podcast. Since we, never, so podcast. The since we never talked about how many bags were. Oh, yeah. No, we missed that. Because Matt just wanted a Niv-Mizzet rampage. Oh, my God. It was worth it, though, wasn't it? My God, we almost got to the Zen so, Zone podcast. Uh, <laughs> they're priced at thirteen thousand eight hundred uh, yen, uh, equivalent to about one hundred thirty-one dollars. Um, it's a nice bag. Um, right. I think the water. I, mean, I think the waterproof is what is going to sell a lot of people for actually buying these. Um, the comfortability of wearing them i don't know i think i'll just rather take my two-strap backpack everywhere because this is a one strap yes yeah it's just it's a sling bag it, it does look like it's a little thinner than a normal backpack too so keep so that in it's, mind is this the if i had 131 dollars to spend on a bag maybe but right but yeah i don't i don't think i'd be uh personally buying one of these Okay, so I'm looking at a close-up picture of these watches. They actually look pretty sick. Right? I told you. They come in a fancy little box. God, they actually look pretty big. They have a model wearing it on their wrist. But you know what they say. Those wearing a big watch are trying to compensate for something. Hey, now. That's why you Matt. Yes, Danny. You know what time it is in Japan right now? It is what, like almost noon? How many hours is that? Oh, so 16? Try 15. Boom. 
Actually, it's eleven thirty-six there. Yeah. So essentially, they're it's a day not, ahead. It's n- they are it is not future. a day ahead. A they day ahead. A-, a day ahead would be twenty-four hours, Matt. They're in Tuesday. We are in Monday. They are twelve they- hours ahead. Thirteen hours ahead of us. Chat, chat, y'all out. They there. are not twenty-four hours ahead of us, which is neat. It is impossible to be twenty-four hours ahead of someone. Chat, y'all out there. Impossible. Uh, help a guy out. No. Backpacks in the picture here. Ooh, they have little zips with mesh on them. Yeah, they have a playmat holder on the side. I don't know. It doesn't look like anything. It doesn't look like it's any built any better than like an Amazon basic sling no, bag. It's... Right. You're buying the logo. Yeah. The Why special edition cool. of it. Yeah. Right. In in the picture, it looks like you can hold like four deck boxes, like a little case of dice, pen and pad. Yeah, it's like I said. I'll just carry on my my normal backpack. Right. And save myself one hundred thirty-two dollars. We have deviated my, far enough. My, mind you, mind you, these prices aren't including shipping or tax. Yeah, or as, tax. That's just for the for the product itself. So when we're talking about shipping, let's talk about some Commander Legends. And some global release moves to November 20th. According to the Wizards archive page, due to production challenges related to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, we have made the decision to push back the full global launch of Commander Legends to November 20th. Uh, A couple weeks ago, they uh, originally announced that only certain places would be getting pushed back uh if i recall right it was like europe america and i think it was only those two got pushed back but like new zealand australia they were able to get all their stuff right away but now everything's pushed back this will include all commander legend products of draft boosters collector boosters commander decks Pre-releases will be occur, uh, pre-releases will occur starting November thirteenth. Pre-release promos will have the previous date printed on them in regions where in-store play is paused. Organizers may host at uh, may host at-home events and remote pre-releases only. On Magic Online, product and events will be available Thursday, November nineteenth. Previews for the highly anticipated set will now begin October twenty-sixth. We know players are excited for this release, and for that reason, we decided to move the launch back to provide players a complete magic experience at the same time. We continue to adapt to a world transformed, and we appreciate your continued patience as we manage these new challenges. We plan to deliver our products as soon as both feasible and safe, and we will continue to prioritize the health and safety of our employees and partners. Yeah. Commander Legends, it's getting pushed back. And uh, right now, there's a bunch of stuff going online of some serious Commander leaks. We're not going to mention them here. If you really want to, you can find them online. Do it yourself. When it comes to scummy things like that, I don't feel like it's worth it to to host, to talk about people that are kind of taking away the surprise values, people's... Uh, spoiler cards like official spoilers that were given to them by Watsi and all that other stuff so from there let's talk about the next one 
So this is from the Magic Financial Aid Group. So FM, uh, MFA, October pledges are being refunded. So happy spooky month. Uh, note from our uh, letter from them. Hello all. We appreciate everyone's continued support and interest in the Patreon. As such, we will be refunding everyone's pledge the the month of October. As we have tried to do during this time to give back to all, give back to you all as you have given uh, so much to us. Wow, words are hard, Matt. Words are hard. Oh, we should get a shirt that says that. Um, we appreciate everyone, and during this coming month, we will offer temporary Patreon status to whoever to whomever is interested in our community Discord. If you have any that would be interested, now is the time from F MFA Patreon Discord uh, with their Discord link. Um, they just end off with thanks, folks. It's nice of them to give back October's Patreon. To well, those who've paid. The the biggest part of this is those that aren't part of the Magic Financial Aid community. Now is your time to enter to see what the Patreon version of it offers. It's yep. super good. There's a lot of different channels in there talking about more in-depth general finance, some spoilers releases, mm-hmm. uh, places where people find coupon codes. So, yeah. Please check them out. It's free. I think it's totally worth it. If you don't like it, you can, you know, Stop your Patreon at the end of the month. Yep. But I'm 100% positive you'll join this group. You will join it and you'll like it. Uh, Lockheed, mo- moderator there, per, uh, previous guest on the podcast. And future guests in the future. And future guests. Hey, good, good plug there. Yes, we are. Well, I guess we could tease that now. We're going to be having a bonus episode here within the next week or two. It's a one. It's going to be a super mega one. But I said two because I don't know how long it's going to take you to edit it. Yeah, fair. <laughs> we'll work on that later. There will be bonus episodes. But we talked everything that we needed to in news. Let's hit some finance for y'all now. Cha-ching! As always, we read off of the amazing website, MTG Stocks, where they have a weekly article that comes up on Friday called Weekly Winners. They give you three to five cards that have moved up in value, and then they also give you some cheap pickups of three to five cards that have decreased in value. And with that, uh, before we start, like I said, these are posted on Friday. It's Monday. Prices may have changed. We will comment on them as we go through. First off, on the weekly winners, we have Crescendo of War. It is a white three enchantment originally and only from the original Commander decks. It reads, at the beginning of each upkeep, put a strife counter on Crescendo of War. Attacking creatures get plus one plus oh for each strife counter on Crescendo of War. Blocking creatures you control get plus one plus oh for each strife counter on Crescendo of War. This card has seen a 270% increase, now sitting at $12.65, but you can still find them online for around 5 bucks. You can go to uh, TCG Player Card Kingdom, 
Card Kingdom has three available currently. Uh, the reason for this spike was kind of an organic uh, content creator spike. The guys over at the EDH RecCast were talking about this in their latest episode, Scale, The Power of Multiplayer, where they were talking about multiple cards that are very beneficial in multiplayer uh, for multiplayer, uh, like Grey Merchant of Asphodel, Grasp of Fates, Blade of Selves, etc., and because of that, they uh, just organically grew the price of the card. And it jumped from a 50-cent card. This thing was 50 cents. A couple bucks, actually. My math is off. A couple bucks jumped up to 12. But like I said, you can still find it for under 5. Next on the weekly winners, we have Keeper of the Keys. This card was showing uh, showing up in the interest lists earlier this week but now it's been claimed as a weekly winner keeper of the keys is blue blue three for a four four human rogue mutant when keeper of the keys enters the battlefield you become the monarch at the beginning of your upkeep if you're the monarch creatures you control can't be blocked this turn this card has seen a 120.94 percent increase now at just under six bucks as of friday but as of today, you can find it for anywhere from five fifty to six dollars. Uh, TCG player has them for three ninety nine. If that means anything, and the reason for this is, I feel like for the last couple of weeks, there's always been something from the Rogue Commander decks ha- that have been uh, popping up. And because Keeper of the Keys is a Rogue card, makes sense that it is moving up. Uh, because of Anawan, the Ruin Thief, in the Zendikar Commander Precon decks, uh, people just be loving them rogues right now. And this is a Commander Rogue, like, good card. <laughs> it becomes, it brings Monarch into play. Everybody loves Mar- Monarch in multiplayer games. And then it just helps you, like, beat wholesale ass at the end by, if you're the Monarch, Creatures you control can't be blocked this turn. Finally, in the weekly winners, we have Drown of the Lock, which has seen a 50% increase, now at $3. It's an uncommon from Throne of Eldraine for black, blue, instant, choose one, counter target spell with converted mana costs less than or equal to the number of cards in its controller's graveyard, or destroy target creature with converted mana costs less than or equal to the number of cards in its controller's graveyard. This is an uncommon card that is chilling around three to four bucks. It is legit. It's a card that has seen uh has been seen in deck lists ranging from legacy vintage a couple bits, modern and standard for sure. The rogue decks in standard are loving it. Modern is running these in any blue black X style control decks. Because in, in modern, you know, it's fetch lands. Like, fetch lands add into the graveyard pretty quickly, and you're always, like, running low drop cantrips and stuff like that. So, fills up the graveyard, makes the two mana really effective. But yeah, that one is moving up in price. And then finally, JB, take us away with some cheap pickups. Spicy is still here. Yeah, you didn't I'm talk at, here. You didn't talk at all during that weekly winner's 
No, I was saying you guys are Chad Cathy's and I don't get much of an edge in or much of a window to jump in, so I just let it be. Well, give us them cheap pickups there, JB. All right, so the cheap pickups. First up, I never thought I never thought I'd see this on the cheap pickups. Just saying that. But we have Force of Will, the Double Masters printing, sitting at eighty nine dollars and seventy five cents, and apparently it's bottomed out. All right, let's 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 give a little talk, a little discussion about this card. This is a card, Force of Will alone. If we go to alliances, has seen highs of. Uh, hundreds and twenties, hundreds, yeah, hundred and twenties around there. Its all-time high was one hundred and twenty-six for the Alliance prints of this. This is a legacy vintage staple. Eternal Masters has an all-time high of one hundred and fifty-two dollars, and now we got the Double Masters sitting at eighty-eight dollars. Or if you go, oh my god, you can find them online. On TCG Player for seventy six dollars right now. Holy shit! Okay, yeah, you know what? Y'all buy these up. The, this is kind of like uh, Jace the Mind Sculptor kind of thing. It's a card that has moved down in price. It's shown that yeah, when it gets reprinted, it drops to that sub seventy dollars, but then it moves back up to around a hundred. You are gaining that thirty percent increase on these cards. If if you got more money to be putting into like just buy a bunch of them and to just sit on them, do it. But more importantly. If you're looking to get in an eternal format, like heck, even Commander, Commander wants a one of these, and seventy bucks as compared to hundred and fifty-three. If you're looking for that, this is your time to be jumping in, Danny. Your Chromium deck, it has a Force of Will in there, don't it? Oh, it don't. Nope. Right. My my Chromium deck is uh, an enchantment deck. It's not a traditional blue deck. Well, having a force of will in there is still going to be good because you can pitch any enchantment that you got to like help save your board from a board wipe, enchantment removal, and stuff like that. Well, that's fine because I play on my graveyard. Fair, but yeah, force of will moving down in price. Earlier this week, I'm pretty sure it was earlier this week. I noticed that. I hit up on the Discord about it. I'm like, whoa, it's sub, it's sub eighty dollars, man. And uh, MFA moderator Lockheed. Said that he finished his playset. Nice. See, I don't play blue, so I just never really worry about blue cards. Fair. JB, we deviated off again. Continue. <laughs> oh, you're done? You guys done now? I think so. <laughs> no. You no, may continue if you want. All right. Okay. So next up, we have Batter Skull, the Double Masters printing. Sitting at nine dollars, record record low and bottomed out. Batter Skull is another classic card. Good stuff. That's a card that's also had an all time high of forty six dollars. This is its like second pack printing, because it's only it was printed in New Frexia. But at its all time high of being forty six bucks, like you could find them for around like pert near twenty dollars. So. Yeah, picking this up at uh, $7, it's not bad because price memory is always going to be a thing mm-hmm. for, for potent cards like this that are eternal format staples. So then last but not least, we have Dark Confidant. 
the modern masters printing sitting at $35 and 35 cents. Definitely keep an eye on this one. Cause apparently it's trending downward still. So that'll do it for our cheap pickups though. Perfect. So I guess, what does that mean on deck of the week? No, no, no. Before we move to deck of the week, we got to let them know, let all of our listeners know that you can go check out TCG sniper. If we were talking about cards that didn't, that you want, but haven't dropped in price significantly, go check them out. They are an amazing tool, amazing website for you to use to be able to get notifications, alerts of any kind of when a card that you submit drops at a certain price. But, but they have recently updated and they now have a price increase function. So you can get a notification if a card moves up in price significantly at whatever desired set. And that may or may not be part of whatever bonus episode is coming out this week. Now, from there, we can talk about Deck of the Week. Uh, With this Deck of the Week, this one was one that I chose because with Grand Finals being like standard and historic and (sighs) nobody really wants to be talking about Omnath, but Blue-Black Rogues are a thing that people like. I found a Blue-Black Rogue deck that is pretty cheap that you can jump into pretty easily. And with some slight modifications here and there, things could change and even reduce the price even more. So let's break down this deck here with Demir Control with Rogue, Rogue theme. In the deck uh, brought to us by Odinap on Moxfield, their, lists, their list consists of a single Teferi Master of Time. They have a playset of Soaring Thought Thief, which is the two-mana 1-3 flash flying rogue, human rogue. As long as an opponent has eight or more cards in their graveyard, rogues you control get plus one, plus oh. And whenever one or more rogues you control attacks, each opponent mills two cards. Guys, a playset of those three Thieves Guild Enforcers, a single black human rogue with flash, ETBs, uh, or another rogue ETBs under your control, each opponent mills two. As long as an opponent has eight or more cards in their graveyard, it gets plus, uh, plus two, plus one, and death touch. Here is a very spicy one that I like a lot. Vantress Gargoyle has a playset of this in here. Blue 1, 5, 4, Gargoyle, artifact, creature, flying. It can't attack unless defending player has 7 or more cards in their graveyard. Vantress Gargoyle can't block unless you have 4 or more cards in hand. Tap. Each player puts the top card of their library into your graveyard. And rounding off the creature package here, we have Zareth San, the Trickster. Three blue black for a 4-4 Merfolk Rogue Legendary with Flash. And it has two black blue for Rogue Ninjutsu. And then when it deals combat damage to a player, you may put target permanent card from that player's graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. Ah, man, I definitely dig the Vantress Gargoyle. Uh, But continuing on. A singleton, Achidem's Awakening, which is the Zendikar flip land that reads black, 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 X, sorcery, return from your graveyard to the battlefield, any number of target creature cards that have a different converted mana cost, X or less. I mean, you're only going to be picking like two creatures here, typically, 
for five mana, you're going to get a Soaring Thought Thief and a Phantress Gargoyle a lot of the time. I mean, even for one, though, for four mana on the Adjudim's Awakening, you're getting a single Thieves Guild Enforcer. That's not too bad. For other sorceries, though, we have Blood Chief's Thirst. The single black sorcery destroy target creature Planeswalker with CMC two or less, and then if it's kicked, you can destroy any. Instant cards. We have Cling to Dust, the amazing instant black exile a card from a graveyard. Either you gain three life as a creature or anything else, you draw a card. Drown at the Lock, weekly winner card that we just talked about. Frantic Inventory, you draw a card, then draw cards equal to the amount of cards named Frantic Inventory in your graveyard for blue one. For Heartless Act, you have for Into the Story, which is blue blue five instant. The spell costs three less to cast if an opponent has seven or more cards in their library, and you draw four cards. There are two Lofty Denials as the counter spell, which is Mana Beak, is what it's colloquially known as. Mystic Disperser, Mystic Dispersal, Whew. Mystic Dispute, two of that, and two Saloon Divisions, which is a new Zendikar Rising flip spell. In the lands, we have Castle Lockthwain, four Clearwater Pathways, which is the blue-black land, four Islands, three Swamps, four Temple of Deceits, and four Zagaroth Triumphs. I mean, what more can you want from the main board on this thing? This is just like control general right here uh yeah things that you could probably change around if you don't want the teferi planeswalker that's one thing about teferi i haven't been finding it too uh, too important i think this is just me my own personal touch i'd rather have ashiok nightmare muse in its place maybe as the one of or go up on the blood chief's thirsts but I do want to comment, in the sideboard, this deck has four Lull Mages Domination, which is blue, 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 X Sorcery. This costs three less to cast if, an, uh, if it targets a creature whose controller has eight or more cards in their graveyard. Gain control of target creature with converter mana cost X. So your mill and an opponent is essentially three mana, steal a creature of CMC three. I'm just excited to see what this deck is going to do. The overall price of this deck is pretty cheap, actually. It is $169.27. Pretty budget, comparatively. Uh, most of the money is coming in the lands section, though. You have... Well, they had the full arts, the full arts lands and stuff. You take those off, you're going to be saving a lot of money there already. So it's probably like a $120 deck. Links in the description below. Just going to kind of breeze through that one because we're already going pretty long. So, y'all are pretty quiet with that deck of the week. Because I don't play Control. Still can have comments on it. And I don't play Blue. Got Danny over there probably still playing Candy Crush. Right. First of all, that's a lie because I don't have Candy Crush on my phone. What is it? Bejeweled? I'm looking on Facebook. <laughs> hey, so was I. Wow. Right? Oh, hey, our sponsor likes our posts on Facebook. Ooh, which post? 
uh, the BNR. Nice. The one that you posted on his Facebook page or his yeah, business since, page. Yeah, since nobody posted there, I'm like, I'll do that. Maybe we'll get more traffic. See? Maybe. Always thinking about trying to get more people to listen to us. <laughs> oh, my God. And speaking of getting more people to listen to us, let's give you that and read right meow. Thank you all for listening to the end of the episode. You're all legendary magic folk. Thank you. Danny, why are you taking your headphones off? <laughs> so I can still hear you. Fair point. As always, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, where we are posting very frequently now. Uh, I can't say more frequently. We're doing way better, I think, with our posting. So, yes, more frequently. Sure. More consistently. <laughs> if Just more in general. Please join the Discord. We have great conversations and stuff going on there. You can come talk magic. You can talk uh, pets. We have a pets and animal section where you can like post your animals. We have music sharing, which I find super important. I like music. Um, also, if you guys have any comments, questions, concerns, feedback of any sorts, you can hit us on any one of those platforms of Facebook, Twitter, or on Discord. Or if you don't want to reach out to us on there you can check not check send us an email at thisweekinmtg at gmail.com don't do it it's a lie he won't check it for like three months so you know I feel that joke is old I'm really good at checking it boom yeah but not that one time yeah that one time that one time and I'll never get past that one time nope exactly because we'll keep bringing it up don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode when they come out on Tuesdays. And Hopefully Tuesdays. Yeah, sometimes Wednesdays. Wednesdays. It's always Tuesday night, late at night. Or but Wednesday in Japan, it'd be Wednesday. See, there we go. See, it's a day ahead. No, it's 12 hours. Still a day ahead? Oh, Actually, you no, said it's 13. Yeah, because it, it would be 15. Math on me, Still sir. not a day ahead, bro. Here if they're on MTG time a zone. day ahead, if, I Matt, Matt, how long is a day? If they're on Wednesday, how long? If how they no, are on How Wednesday, long is a day? Twenty-four hours. Okay, to be ahead a day would be twenty-four hours ahead of us. No, no, no to be yes. ahead of us a day. To be ahead of us a day would be over twenty-four Wednesday, hours. If they're on Wednesday. They are twelve hours are ahead on of us. Tuesday. Okay, they are so a he, day so ahead of l- us. let me let me see. Let me let me get to this. So you're saying, with us being 11.30 at night, Washington, D.C. is a day ahead of us? Yeah. They're an hour ahead of us. It's not 11.30 at night, though. But I'm just saying, if it were 11.30 here... They would be in the next day. They're participating in Tuesday, They're not, not a Monday. day ahead of us. They are an hour ahead of us. Yes, which happens to be... No. <laughs> A day is 24 hours. You can't be a day ahead of someone. I think I think we really do got to drop this time zone podcast now. <laughs> oh, good Lord. And it's just What's us arguing about this What's stuff. What's talking about time zones? After dark, there we go. It's, it's, it, it, it's really astounded me after last week's podcast. Like Looking back, it's like, God, we talk about time zones a lot. Well, yeah, this is... Stuff's happening worldly. Worldly. Right. Yeah, so we this have to. We're in different areas into a, a global game. We are internationally. 
we do have a listener from the UK. Dan, thank you for listening. Personal shout outs. You didn't have to do anything for that. But from there, y'all, we will catch you next week. Oh, J-Dubs, check them out. Final (laughs) plug. Wow. Links in the description down below. They are an amazing sponsor of ours. They're going to be at ValleyCon having duels for sale. If you're looking for duels, go check out ValleyCon if you're in the FM area. Or are they having duels like sword fights? It's time to do, 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 do. Sorry, that was Yu-Gi-Oh. My bad. I'm clipping that. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, see you guys later. It's been stuck in my head. We will catch you guys next time. Bye. Bye. See ya. It's time to do 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 do. Sorry, that was Yu-Gi-Oh.